Hi, my name is Christy Kramer, and this is Michigan Unsolved, the true crime podcast that is solely focusing on unsolved cases in Michigan. There is no case too small. My goal is to give victims of unsolved crimes the voice they deserve. everyone welcome back um i'm sitting here in this small room at my office that i record in i'm looking outside here it is march 3rd and we are about to get a major winter storm i just checked the weather app and it's saying a potential of 12 inches this just really solidifies to me the fact that i hate the month of march I say that because it's kind of been, it's obviously not a running joke, but in my family, March seems to be completely cursed. I have had, uh, my, both of my grandparents passed away in March. Two of my uncles passed away in March. My one cousin, her beautiful newborn baby passed away in March my dad first started experiencing his ALS symptoms in March. My mom was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer in March. March is just the gift that keeps on giving. And um, it's just, I'm really over it. I want this month to go by really fast. I just had to share that with you because when I decided to start doing a podcast, the middle of last year, I really wanted to make it a therapeutic experience, not only for myself, but for others. And my goal was to tell my family's story about everything that we had been through the last few years with my parents' health and my son's health. And I, I did it for a while. I mean, I've, some of you may have been listeners back then. And The issue was, is that every week I was dropping more and more listeners and I'm trying to figure out what am I doing wrong here? Well, then somebody told me that the topics were just so unbelievably deep and emotional. They just couldn't listen anymore. Totally understood that. Trust me, it was getting really hard for me emotionally to either to even record them. So that's when I decided to switch to do a true crime podcast because honestly, I absolutely love true crime. So one thing I do want to do is still use this type of platform to spread awareness, not just for these cold cases, but also for so many other things. Um, As I mentioned, you know, my mom had cancer, you know, my dad had ALS, my grandmother passed away from cancer. As you know, every month has a different awareness and it's not even just like some months have 10 to 15. So every week I kind of want to just bring to light a few of those things. One of them, the one I'm going to bring to light today is actually March is uh, colorectal cancer awareness, colon cancer, rectal cancer, all that kind of stuff. Horrible, horrible thing to go through. Just a reminder to 
pay attention to the cues of your body. Okay. It is so easy to get checked and tested now. Uh, Cologuard is available. Talk to your doctor. It's an option. There's just, there's so many preventative measures that you can take, but the, the biggest thing is advocating for yourself and paying attention to your own body and what it's telling you. I have a dear friend of mine who is just starting her treatment for colon cancer and she's young. She's extremely young, way younger than what the quote unquote age is for that type of cancer. So it can hit anybody. So just, just keep that in the back of your head. When you go in for your physical, I'm 45, you know, my doctor brought it up to me and I blew him off and said, yeah, okay, whatever. Um, and the other day on Facebook, I shared that it was colorectal cancer awareness month and I get a text from my son and he goes, why are you sharing this? Why are you spreading this when you won't even get tested yourself? And that was a wake up call. And you know what? I'm going to make that appointment because I do know that it's important. So that is my soapbox for today. Like I said, advocate for your own self, advocate for your loved ones, listen to your body's cues, listen to what it's telling you. Your body is the loudest voice. Okay. If something doesn't feel right, if something seems off, speak up because that is, that is your biggest test. You know, there, there, you're never going to find a more better diagnostic tool than your own body. So just something to think about. Okay. So let's get right into today's case. I do believe I told you guys in the very beginning, um, eight episodes ago that I was going to try to stop doing cases about children because they are horrible. However, the cases about children seem to get the most coverage and they are the easiest ones to share with you because there's just so much more information out there about those particular cases. I am working on a couple of cases for the next couple of weeks that are adults oriented. Um, and it's a struggle because there's such little information out there. So it, it's really sad. It really is. I, I mean, trust me, cases about children are absolutely heartbreaking, especially when they're unsolved. You know, it's breaks my heart to think that these children go through what they go through and never get justice. Okay. So yes, adult cases are just as important. They just take a little bit more research time because of the fact that I have to dig way deeper and I have to wait for um, police departments to get back to me, especially on the cold cases and stuff like that. And I am waiting for to do some interviews with some family and stuff like that. So though we will be getting, I'm going to try to take a couple of weeks off from child cases after this week, just because it is truly exhausting. Um, so today's case is about five-year-old Nevaeh Buchanan. Uh, Nevaeh went missing on uh, May 24th, 2009 in Monroe, Michigan. 
And if you're from southeastern Michigan, you probably remember this case. Anyone that lives along the 75 corridor probably has heard about this case, even northern Ohio. Monroe is only about 20 minutes from the Ohio border. So this this case just touches so many different communities because of its location. And it, it's just because of what happened to this poor child and the fact that she's never had any justice. It's truly, 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 it my heart just breaks. With that being said, however, this case, the some of the details in this case are extremely graphic. And I am just giving you a forewarning right now because you may, if you want it, it, again, it's a case about a child. If you feel the need to turn off, I completely understand. Nobody's going to hold that against you. Trust me, I wish I could shut my brain down sometimes. But okay, so Nevaeh Buchanan was born on February 3rd, 2004. She went missing May 24th, 2009, which was a Sunday. Now, as you know, the last Monday of May is Memorial Day. So this weekend was a, it's a big weekend. It's a weekend where it's your unofficial start to summer. And that particular weekend, that Sunday, the sun was shining. The um, temperatures were so perfect like 72 degrees was the high. The kids were all in shorts. It was just absolutely beautiful. And Nevaeh lived at the Charlotte Arms apartment in Monroe. And this apartment complex was what would be considered uh, lower income housing. Okay. She lived there with her mom and her grandmother. Now, there is a little bit of a backstory there. Her mom actually went to prison when Nevaeh was about two and a half years old. And she spent a little over a year behind bars. And this was a very formative part of Nevaeh's life. So her grandmother actually got custody of her. So while she did live with her mom and her grandma, her grandmother is the one that had the actual custody of her at, her at that time, even though her mom did live there. Now, her mom's name is Jennifer Buchanan, and her grandmother's name is Sherry Buchanan. The time that this happened, Sherry was actually at work, and Nevaeh was at the apartment with her mother, Jennifer. Now, at that time, Jennifer also had a friend of hers staying there along with her friend's child. I have not been able to confirm anything about the friend, whether it's male or female. I do believe it was female, but I don't know for sure. And I do not know the age or the gender of the child. So just keep that in mind because I did, I've seen multiple reports of this, this friend and this child staying there. Like I said, I just don't know. Um, to the extent of who they were in the relationship, just that it was a friend. So on that particular day, the kids would all, they were all playing. There was a playground nearby. The kids would go to the playground 
And there are some reports that around 5 p.m. or so, Nevaeh had had an accident in her pants. She had been playing and she wasn't paying attention like five-year-olds can do. And she um, wet herself. So she came into the house to change her clothes, which she did. And she changed into a um, sleeveless red, white, and blue shirt and some long denim jeans. Uh, long, I'm sorry, long denim shorts. And she grabbed a popsicle on her way out the door and she went back out to play. And her mom had been sitting in the living room just watching TV. The, um, some of the reports say she was watching John and Kate plus eight. Not that that matters, but just to kind of give you an idea of the time frame we're looking at here. This was 2009. Okay. Um, so she'd been sitting there for a while. And then about 630, uh, the, the friend, the child of the friend that was staying with them came into uh, the apartment. Now, their apartment was one of 180 units, okay? This was a three-story apartment building, and they actually had a ground floor apartment. So, it which is nice, you can, they were right there by the door, they could just go in and out, and it was, there was no stairs she had to deal with. So, the friend, the friend's child comes into the apartment essentially to kind of tattle on Nevaeh because Nevaeh had taken her scooter and was riding in the street. Now, the street is what the child called it, but um, the reports say that it was probably the parking lot of the apartment complex. But regardless, she was not permitted to be riding her scooter in the parking lot at all or the street she needed to be staying on the sidewalk so uh, Jennifer at that point gets up to go talk to her daughter and make sure she directs her to where she's supposed to be so she goes out and like I said it's 6 30 p.m it's light outside um she starts to look and she doesn't see her so she asked some of the other kids that were out there playing and nobody had seen her so she runs into the apartment manager and she asks her, you know, hey, have you seen Nevaeh? And they say, and she says, no, you know, I haven't seen her, but I'm, you know, I'm sure she's around here somewhere because that's, there's lots of kids at this apartment complex and they're everywhere. So she continues to look. And then on the back side of the apartment complex, she finds Nevaeh's scooter. Now, the one report that I read said that the scooter was leaning up against the building. I don't know exactly how true that is. I have not been able to confirm it. That was just one particular report that I read. Now, at that point, she realizes, okay, my daughter is missing. It's not just that she can't find her. My child is missing. Okay. So, when my child was five years old, if... There's no question in my mind that if that moment happened, I would pick up the phone and immediately call 911. However, that is not what Jennifer Buchanan did. What Jennifer Buchanan did at that moment was contact her friend, a man named George Kennedy. And this friend was very active in Nevaeh's life to the point where she called him Daddy George. 
What I unfortunately have to tell you next is that George was a registered sex offender. Um, in some of the charges, including included children under the age of 13. Now, George was out on parole, but as you know, as a registered sex offender, you should not be associated with children in any way, shape, or form. So, um, she, Jennifer calls George to help her look. So, George apparently was with his girlfriends, and they get in the car and start driving around to look. At this point, they've ser- they're searching the playground. They're searching. There, there was an old Kmart that was kind of kitty corner from the apartment complex. Uh, they searched that location, um, and they could not find her. So, at approximately 8.15, almost two hours since she was told that her daughter was missing, a 911 call was finally made. I do not know who made the 911 call. I have not uh, been able to confirm that, but I do know that a 911 call was made. Almost immediately, uh, police came onto the scene. They started to, they brought in uh, canine units. They brought in helicopters. They, they started ground searches. I mean, this was almost immediately. There was very little time wasted here except for the period between 6.30 and 8.15. I believe it said that within 15 minutes, people the police were already on the ground starting to process everything that was going on. Uh, at They continued searching through the night at 12.30 a.m., Monday morning, so only a few hours since she went missing, an Amber Alert was issued uh, with the information pertaining to Nevaeh. Her, her, you know, the normal information, her age, her weight, her height, her eye color, hair color, all of that information, what she was wearing, all of that, where she was last seen. That went out at 1230 a.m. At that point... The police uh, decided to start, they were going to start interviewing people. Um, at, I believe at this point, George Kennedy came back to the apartment complex to, I don't know if he was coming to join the search or to see Jennifer or what, but police were interviewing Jennifer in her apartment is what I had read. And that is kind of when George Kennedy comes into the mix. And when police realized that George Kennedy, number one, was a registered sex offender and that he did have a relationship with Nevaeh, they took him into custody because that is an immediate violation of his parole. They used this opportunity to search his apartment and Apartment is a term that I use extremely loosely. It was not an apartment. It was a motel room, a very small hotel, a motel room. And um, what was found in the ho- in the motel room will shock you. Um, they found photos. I am going to say this word again. They found photos. What type of photos has not been reported, but apparently there were quite a few photos. Care to guess what type they were? 
Yeah. They also found a pair of bloody shorts. They found blood on the wall above the sink. They found blood on a multi-tool that's used for fishing. They found a condom on the floor. Whether or not it was used, I don't know. And I don't want to know. Because they also found children's toys on the floor. What? got to be kidding. I mean, are you seriously listening to my listening to me right now and not screaming? Like, who is this man? I don't like to talk bad about victims parents. But seriously, this is the man she allowed in her daughter's life. A condom on the floor and children's toys. I don't care if it was used or not. <laughs> probably not to have best to have them in the same space. Right now I'm sitting in a room that's about maybe 11 by 11. I'm just thinking that that could potentially be the size of this small motel room and just to think about that on the floor oh ooh, gives me the creeps. Probably not the best role model for your child to be around especially probably not one to call daddy George. Now, I'm not sure if she called him Daddy George because her father was not in her life. It, I'm not even going to name her father because he is so inconsequential to this entire story because he had not spoken to his daughter in three years. So this poor, little, sweet, beautiful child had so many things stacked against her. Her mother spent half of her first five years in prison, her and on drugs, okay, her father hadn't even seen her or spoken to her in three years. And then she has this man who is obviously whatever, um, as her father figure. Let's be real. And then I really have to question the grandmother, Sherry. I mean, I'm sure she was doing everything she could. And you don't want to turn your back on your own child, but I would have put my foot down. I mean, let me tell you, my kid is grown. He's 18 now. If if he pulled that with my grandchild, no, it, no, I'm sorry. It, it, it's very, very frustrating. Um, there was also another man that uh, police took into custody, a man by the name of Roy Smith. There is a connection between George Kennedy and Roy Smith. They do know each other. They are both friends with Jennifer Buchanan. Okay. And I do believe I've seen it reported in multiple places that there is a familiar connection between Jennifer and Roy Smith, whether they're cousins, distant cousins or something. I don't know, but they, uh, there is a lot, there's a connection there and Roy Smith also has spent time with Nevaeh and George Smith, I'm sorry, Roy Smith is also a registered sex offender. So they were both taken into custody for breaking their uh, probation parole or whatever because they were uh, associating with a child. So they were both taken into custody on those relations 
and uh, they still to this day remain in custody because once you're uh, once you break that you know you're you go back you know so thank goodness that's where they're at so on May 26th which was Tuesday like I said, uh, the ground searches, the helicopters, they all continued. There were hundreds of volunteers. The entire Monroe community came out to find this child. People were coming from as far away as Toledo. I mean, just tons of people were coming in. On Wednesday, the 27th, uh, two local quarries were searched by dive teams. Lake Monroe, which is a very, very, it's a, it's a rather large man-made lake. It used to be a quarry. That's now a lake. They, uh, sent in dive teams because somebody, this was kind of like a word of mouth thing, but there was a transient that had like a, I, I, for lack of better words, a homeless person said that he killed her and put her in the quarry while well, they searched the quarry and there was there was no evidence of her in the quarry uh, on may 28th which was a thursday all of the residents of the apartment complex every single one of them was questioned they the community began to place yellow ribbons all around the community of monroe to show their support for nevea and her family they had taken uh, DNA samples of the blood or they had taken the blood from George Kennedy's motel room and ran some testing on it. And thank God on February, May 29th, 2009, the DNA testing came back that they were not a match for Nevaeh. But that does beg the question, what did match that blood? And I don't know if that was ever found. On Saturday, May 30th, a candlelight vigil was held at the Charlotte Arms Apartments. And I can just imagine just the hundreds of people standing there, just shoulder to shoulder with a candle, praying for this angel to come back to them. And then uh, May 31st, 2009, which was Sunday, um, one week since Nevaeh disappeared, a man by the name of James Easter was brought in for questioning because he had been seen. He also was a registered sex offender and he had been seen at the apartment complex that morning, the morning of the 24th. And then he had been seen burning things in a burn barrel on his property. He was questioned and he was released. Everything that I have seen um, regarding him being questioned states that he was cleared. I'm not exactly sure how deep um, they went into his questioning or whatever, or if they did a polygraph or anything, but I, I don't believe in polygraphs either. Anyway, I will tell you that both that Jennifer took multiple polygraphs and Nevaeh's father actually took a polygraph as well. I'm not even going to bother telling you what the results were because they were taken the night she went missing. And you, we all know that that's just not, it's not relevant. Uh, June 2nd, which was a Tuesday, police announced that they were looking for two vans 
Uh, one of them was green and one of them was silver. They were seen on the 24th near the playground that a lot of the kids from the Charlotte Arms Apartments would play at. And they were also questioning an ice cream truck driver, but nothing came out of that as well. And I do not believe, whether or not they found the vans that they were looking for, I do not know, but nothing came out of the van search. Then June 3rd, which was a Wednesday, the reward for some the reward for information leading to finding Nevea reached $28,000, which is incredible. And they also held a prayer vigil at the Charlotte Arms Apartments, praying to bring this sweet girl back home. And that brings us to June 4th, 2009, which was a Thursday. The the River Raisin was named after the grapes that used to grow along the shore. And it was named by the French when the um, Monroe used to be called Frenchtown. And there were a lot of French settlers there. And they, they named this river the River Raisin. Like, as I said, because of the, the grapes. And from from what I've seen, uh, fishing along the shores of this river was very popular. So three generations of men, a man by the name of Guy Bickley, took his father and his son to go fishing on this beautiful June morning. And they parked on the side of the road and they made their way down to the shoreline of the river. And there were some rocks along the, uh, along the bank. And there was also a piece of concrete that they had to step over and over to get to the shoreline. And when they stepped on the concrete, it, a piece of it broke away. And when that happened, the overwhelming smell that came from this broken concrete, it, it was intense. And the 15 year old son, um, I don't want to give his name if I didn't, or if I did already, I'm sorry, but, um, the 15 year old son of Guy Bickley said that it smelled like dead fish. And Guy went over there to chip away some more of the concrete And what he found underneath the concrete was the back of a small child. Can you imagine? You're just fishing with your your father and your son. And you come across the body of a small child. Well... They immediately called 911 and police arrived and they cordoned off the area. And it, on June 5th, 2009, June 5th, 2009, which was a Friday at 10:30 a.m., the Monroe County Police held a press conference to announce that the body of a small ch- female child had been found along the River Raisin.
she had been buried in a block of concrete. Then on June 6, 2009, which was a Saturday, Sheriff Crutchfield of the Monroe County Sheriff's Office quoted in the Monroe News that he believed that the killer was local. This was not a spot easily, um, pardon, this is not the right way to say it, but it's not a spot easily gotten to. You know, you can't really, you, you have to kind of know that area. And then a couple of days later, on June 9th, 2009, which was a Tuesday, just over two weeks since five-year-old Nevaeh Amaya Buchanan went missing, DNA confirmed that the body that had been buried in concrete along the River Raisin was hers. For the last two weeks, George Kennedy and Roy Smith had been at the Monroe County Sheriff's Office jail um, for their parole violation. And at that point, they were moved to prison for violating their parole. On June 11th and 12th, there was a visitation held prior to Nevaeh's funeral and 1,500 local residents of Monroe County and local counties and all over, including Northern Ohio, paid their respects to the sweet girl. On June 13th, 2009, this beautiful Friday, a funeral was held, 700 attended. Community members lined the streets and released balloons as a, as a motorcycle-themed hearse drove down the streets. Nevaeh, although a girl, was a tomboy and loved motorcycles. June 14, 2009, nearly three weeks after Nevaeh disappeared, a prayer vigil was held in her memory and to honor all the other missing children nationwide. And at that point, the tips that had been called in reached 1,200. And exactly one month later, on July 14, 2009, the autopsy reveals, the, the autopsy results revealed that Nevaeh died from asphyxiation. She was most likely buried alive. She had dirt in her tiny lungs and her trachea. The coroner, Dr. Schmidt, said that he could not say for sure whether or not she had been buried alive or if her face had been held down in the dirt. There was just no way of knowing.
I'm sorry. This this is just a hard one. It just to just to think of everything that this poor child went through. There, honestly, there there are no leads in this case. It's just so sad just to think that there is somebody out there that knows something. And you, you really have to question a lot of things. As in, there, I have not been, I don't like to report things that I cannot confirm. But some of this is just so out there. Um, there is a report that Jennifer Buchanan actually logged onto her MySpace the night Nevaeh went missing. I That blows my mind. I, I I heard that from two different sources, so I, I don't know if it's validated or not, but that really, really bothered me. Um, there is a report that Shane, that, that uh, Nevaeh's paternal grandmother, so her father's mother, raised money and then kept it for herself. That to me was Definitely is kind of sketchy. Um, and then there's another report that I found really interesting was that two days prior to her disappearance, somebody saw her playing outside at about 10 p.m. at the Willow Green Trailer Park. Now, I when I pull up the map to, the, to see the location of Willow Green Trailer Park compared to where... Uh, the Charlotte Arms Apartments are, there. there is a really big difference in the locations. They're not close together. However, there is a connection to the Willow, Willow Green Trailer Park and George Kennedy. So in theory, if um, Jennifer was there, I could see and understand Nevaeh could be there as well. So that one, you know, take it as much of that information as you want. I, like I said, I, those are things, these are re things that I've seen reported that I have not been able to confirm, but I just found them too interesting not to mention. There are also, um, the police also say that there was no trauma to her body. They have not stated whether or not she was found clothed or naked. Um, they have said that they're keeping a lot of information close to the chest because obviously they're holding back things that only the killer is going to know. There were two children who were uh, interviewed shortly after her disappearance and they said they did not see anything. And then a couple of days later, they were interviewed again and they said that they saw Nevaeh be stabbed and dragged into the woods. Again, there was no trauma to her body, so I'm not going to go with that one. I think kids just get, they hear things and they just kind of run with them. They may have heard somebody talking and then just carried on with it. But I, because the police say there was no trauma to her body, I have to go with the fact that she was not stabbed. Um, also the concrete that she was buried in was quick Crete. 
which is meant to harden very quickly. And there, they believe there was also, there is a report that there was a 90 pound bag of quick Crete that had been burned. So it was an empty bag that had been burned. So they are going with the assumption that this is the bag from that concrete, which, hello, makes sense. Um, now, the particular brand of the quick crate and that size was only sold at a couple of locations within the community. And one of those locations was a place called Coleman Concrete. And just before Nevaeh went missing, they reported that somebody had cut a hole in their fence. Again, I don't know if there's a connection there, but that is just something that has been put out there that I found interesting. Um, there was a report that there was also a beer can found. I do not know how true that is or any of that information, um, what type of beer or anything. I've seen it reported three different types of beer, so I'm not even going to speculate on the type because there's just no way of knowing without actually seeing the police report and they're not going to give that up. I don't know if any DNA was found. As far as I'm able to tell, um, George Kennedy and Roy Smith are both still in jail because of the parole violation, but it has been 13, 14 years now. So they may be out. I have not been able to confirm that either. I also saw that there was a burnt surgical glove and a cigarette butt located. Again, that is just a report that I saw. I have not been able to confirm that. I would think that there would be some type of DNA on those items if that was the case, but I, I really don't know. So this one was hard because not only was it a child, but just... I would love to be able to give you something to go on, you know? All I got to say is Monroe is, it's not a huge city. It's a smaller town, you know, and somebody knows something. And it's been 14 years. Somebody needs to speak up. Give this child, let this child rest in peace. You know, I, I know her grandmother is suffering. Her grandmother raised her for the first five years of her life, and it's, she needs some closure and I, I'm sure her mom needs some closure too. I, I have not been able to find anything about her mom or how her mom's doing. Actually, there is one thing that I did want to say. Oh, you're going to love this one. I, you know, I, I'm sorry. I deadbeat parents just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Uh, there was a quote that her mother gave three years after her daughter went missing. Um, and of course I can't find it, which is probably a good thing because, oh, it's going to make you mad. Um, but essentially she, her mother, Jennifer Buchanan, commented that uh, not a day goes by that she doesn't miss her daughter. And it, like I said, it bothered me because uh, did you, you know, did you miss her when you were in jail because you had been doing drugs? I, I don't know. Like I said, that one really bugs me. It, 
take care of your kids. You know, I know I'm going to stop because it just, the more I look into this mother, the more angry I get. So anywho, uh, that is the story of Nevaeh Buchanan. I mean, this poor, innocent, beautiful five-year-old angel who is literally an angel at this point and uh, taken from this world way too soon. And what was the point of, I mean, let's be honest. Usually when somebody is going to kill a child, there's a motive behind it. Where, what was the motive of this? You know, and you're not, I, cause at first I thought maybe it was like some of the other kids and maybe she got hurt, but kids aren't going to be carrying around a 90 pound, 90 pound bag of quick creep. So I don't know, but, uh, next week I promise I will bring you a case of an adult. I'm going to take a break from children. <laughs> so, um, I look forward to talking to you all next week and I hope you have a um, wonderful week and remember listen to your body and get checked because uh, March is colorectal cancer awareness month and I will bring you another awareness tip next week talk to your doctor about Cologuard this is not a sponsorship but you know this little simple test could save your life and that's that's the important thing so I will talk to you guys later and have a great week bye-bye